You're listening to the Haunt Girls Podcast. The show where we discuss all things Halloween Horror Nights, haunts, horror, and everything in between. I'm Allie. I'm Nikki. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I am going to eat your soul. Welcome back to the Haunt Girl Podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Allie. If you want to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at Haunt Girls Podcast. Our Twitter is at Haunt Girls Pod. Make sure you follow us on both for fun content. Yes. And uh, for this week's recording, we are going to be doing a deep dive into some urban legends. There's been a lot of talk about some legends, urban legends, based on that um video drop that we got when we got the event dates announced and the single night tickets. So we thought it would be fun to kind of take a look back at what legends we have seen at Halloween Horror Nights, both Orlando and Hollywood in the past, as well as dive into some ones that Nikki and I think would be really great as houses that we have not seen yet. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah. Nikki, do we have any any updates for Halloween Horror Nights 32? <laughs> We have a couple over at Hollywood. We have the what seems to be the facade for the speculated monster's house in the Parisian courtyard coming yes. into shape. A little facade. It looks like it's like <laughs> a little facade. It <laughs> looks like a like a big wooden wall. I can't really tell you what it's gonna be. Uh, just the fact that it's in the speculated monsters area. I'm hoping it's a like yeah Paris street or like the Notre Dame or mm-hmm. the Paris Opera House just to tie into the monster's house. But again, right. like it's just wooden walls coming up, so I couldn't tell you. And just in case they missed our um, spec map episode, the reason Nikki has an idea that this might be where the monster's house is, is this is where it was located on spec map volume one um, from Horror Night Nightmares that we got for Hollywood. Right. So, and Nikki, it's funny, the right, first thing on um, Monster's Houses. Yes. When I saw this facade, um, I sent it to Nikki and I was like, look how I'm like, oh, it's just wood, wood, two by fr- two by fours, a framed wall. And she goes, it's Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And she goes, it's me no. speaking it. <laughs> I'm speaking it into existence. I need it to be Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is, um, in this particular photo, it looks like there's two two walls that one is in front of the other. So the one behind right. it is also a wood framed wall. Um, this one does have plywood covering the front, um, right? Kind of like a flat surface. But the other one right now is still just the frame itself. So I'm curious to see what they what they put on it or what they make out of it. We just see lots of wood framing right now. Yeah, but it's tall. Luckily for Exactly. Luckily for us in Hollywood, they can't really hide too much of their uh, HHN construction like Orlando is able to since mm-hmm. most of their houses are right in front of everyone to see. So we're usually able to see what's going on there pretty quickly. But then over at the Curious George tents, tent one is up finally. Tent two has been up for a while, but they just put the beginnings of their facade up. And that is also it looks like again a like, wood frame like, wall <laughs> wood frame wall and it has like some prime painting i think yeah. on it so this I'm, one yeah. yeah this one does have kind of like a teal light colored primed kind of paint so i'm curious to yeah. see what this is as well 
Um, it looks it very rustic. Yeah. It, it is like that. If that's like the final product of how the facade's supposed to look, I'm not sure what it's supposed to be, but I would 100% agree, think that it would be like just prime painting right. put on for like the actual mm-hmm. art going on it or whatever. So, something I do want to note about the um, Curious George 2 tent facade is that this one, um, like we said, is wood framed, but there is like flat plywood on the front. However, there is a couple cutouts. So it looks right. like we have a typical door opening. Um, and then next to the door opening, it looks like there's some kind of rectangular cutout. And then there's one right above the door as well. So looking at this That's immediately, yeah, there's nothing that really sticks out to me about it. But these clearly were left as openings for a reason. Um, I'm sure in the near future, if they just keep on going, we'll find out. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's exciting to see some construction over at Hollywood. Uh, like Nikki said, we probably have just as much going on in Orlando, but a lot of these are in sound stages and not or not viewable to the public. So we don't right. know. <laughs> uh, over in Orlando, we yeah. do have some movement going on in the MIB tent location, a smaller tent than what we're used to for a baby that tent. location has been put up. Yeah, a little miniature tent. We, I don't think this is HHN related, but it is in the current location of where that tent does typically go. Right. For HHN. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's probably for um, Grad Bash yeah. stuff or whatever, because it is Grad it's Bash season. It's tiny. And I'll tell you what, um, like I we talked about it a little bit in our last episode, but we really looked for a house permit for there. Um. There's not a permit for that location that has kind of the budget that it would need to be a house. So um, this tent is up, but it doesn't seem to be like they're essentially building really anything inside of it. So um, it definitely makes more sense that it's for grad bash or something like that. But at least we know um, (laughs) that it's not a house and we still don't have um, when we got the announcement last week, they did tell us that they will have 10 houses. So we're pretty sure pretty sure there's not a house going there but right you really never know i mean we're but we're we're pretty it's confident t- it's not gonna itty be bitty miniature experience yeah one scare and that's all you get one triple scare mm-hmm. and that's it <laughs> yeah so that's really it for construction um we haven't seen too much else going on it's again early in the season april now april finally we're getting there a little at a time but yep. um... yeah nothing else really going on not much going no, on. Oh, yeah. So we, as Taylor Swift would say, not a lot going on at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before we dive into some urban legends that we would like to see at the event, um, we wanted to take a little bit of a jump back to some that we have seen at the event. Um, we So we did some research. A lot of these houses, Nikki and I have actually seen and got to experience. But some of these, I'll be honest, I didn't even really know about until we did a deeper dive into it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. we missed that. <laughs> so I'm just like s- s- slip between the cracks from us. To be fair. Everything. Yeah. For some of, for some of these we're going to talk about, I was like four years old. So there was no way. I was yeah. gonna- <laughs> There's no way I could. But and it sucks because I mean, I've the, seen, yeah. seen it, right? I've <laughs> well, seen it. Yeah. A lot of the old, older events, it's incredibly difficult to find pictures on and videos and information, really. Right. So um, we're just kind of 
going to take a crack at some of these. Um, but the first one that I really want to talk about um, at HHN 11, we did have a house called Superstitions. Now, mm-hmm. um, this house was located in Nazarmans, and we do not have houses located there anymore. Um, but this was a nope. house kind of based on, from my understanding, like different superstitions, of course. Um, we did see some black cats, like the superstition of don't walk under a ladder, that kind of stuff. But we also had some urban legends featured in this house, and some of them did come back to the event at a later date. From what I understand, my understanding is there was a voiceover going through this house, and essentially what they did is it was reading the backstories to these different legends and superstitions. So as you went through them, you kind of got to hear the story. So I think that's really cool. But some of the um, urban legends that we saw in this house was the Chubacabra. Um, we also saw Bloody Mary, not like the Bloody Mary that the whole thing like just the, le- <laughs> the legend the urban legend the legend Mary. yes we also had um Hookman, um bigfoot and then they also featured a scene from a ufo crash mm-hmm. in new mexico that was kind right. of like a i guess you could call it urban legend aliens are kind of like urban legends right mm-hmm. but yeah we yeah. saw chubacabra i didn't even know chubacabra had been to the event i didn't either this is the first the time pretty interesting but following that, we're going to talk about a little bit about La Rorona, Yorona. If I get my Spanish tongue working, mm-hmm. sorry, ancestors. <laughs> she appeared, she has two appearances in Orlando from HHN 23 as a house. And in the icon scare zone from HHN 25, she did make an appearance. Yeah, so, yeah, just a little bit in Orlando. Not too, not too, too much, but right. we got a house, 23. I went through that house. It was good. I liked it. I mean, I didn't dislike it. Um, but it wasn't like a memorable house for me. No, I believe I missed that house that year because I only went up yeah. for one night. But yeah, um, what about Hollywood? She, yeah, she Hollywood is, loves her. <laughs> Hollywood loves La Llorona, Let me tell you, she had a scare zone and she was on the Terror Tram for 2010. She had a whole house in 2011. She had a whole house again in 2012, which I believe is a repeat of the same house. And then again, she came back last year for 2022 in the house and then also had an attached scare zone that kind of was a continuation once you um, leave the house. She was yes. also in the scare zone. Yeah. So um, <coughs> the urban legend, do you know the backstory to Lyrona? I'm not as, yes. I'm a little familiar with it, but not so much. So, um, for those who do not know, I am Spanish. I'm Cuban. So I grew up being told from my relatives the story of La Llorona because it's a story they sometimes tell children to kind of scare us into behaving well and not going out alone, basically. <laughs> There's a lot of those, to be honest. Yeah. Doing a deep dive yeah. into urban legends, a good chunk of them are just were made up to scare children. <laughs> exactly. But uh, the literal translation for La Llorona is the weeping woman. And she is usually depicted as a tall, thin spirit. And she was, when she was a human, she was very beautiful. But you don't see her as that anymore. She has long black hair. She has usually a veil over her face. And she's always crying. And the reason she's crying is because she went into madness, basically, and drowned Mm -hmm. her children in a river. So she's usually seen weeping about that. But the scary part is, is that she 
roams the earth basically looking for children to drown also along with their children that's the whole thing yeah that's how i was taught it right that's why like you don't go out alone because la is gonna get you and drown you like oh shit i'm staying home thanks for letting me know right um so this urban legend in particular yeah has clearly made a pretty prominent appearance at halloween horror nights yeah, they love her over in Hollywood, which <laughs> I've seen. I've seen video walkthroughs of the Hollywood house and um, just like behind the scenes of the mm-hmm. house also. And it is very well done. I understand why they love it. I would love yeah. to see her back again in Orlando also. Um, I think it's a good story. I think their uh, character design that they've used for Hollywood is very well done. So I'd love mm-hmm. to see that back here. Hollywood has the um, luxury that they're able to do like outside portions of their house oh and then right back inside right which is you can see a lot with this particular house um in hollywood mm-hmm. from last year so it'd be kind of cool to see orlando trying to take that on yeah well i mean they did so it looks like the first time she came to the event was in 2010 and then of course was 2011 and 2012 but then we didn't have her in orlando till um hhn 23 which was i think 2013 that makes sense and then um yep yeah so 2013 so, I, f- I always forget because it gets messed up once we hit covid the years don't like yeah align. <laughs> um but yeah so they had her for a good three events before we got her in orlando and then they kind of took her back <laughs> yeah Watch i believe her. it started because the original house got house of the year or whatever it is over there in hollywood okay and people just it was like a fan favorite so they just kept rolling with it which i understand people like it might as well bring it back um but yeah yeah and of re- course john murdy has made like a lot of uh updates to the house since then yes there has right. been some updates but yeah i, I do remember That's just yeah me being a terrified spanish kid <laughs> no i do feel like though when even when orlando did the house it, at 23 it was a good house like um i mean i don't get super scared as it is anymore um i say that now but then again there are a few houses once in a while that really just get me but i do feel like this house was really detailed and really good and um yep. this was in a sprung tent i believe let me see yep sprung tent one and um think um there was also a Lyrona movie. Yes, there was. It was fairly recent, a few years back. Um yeah. I same story. Let me see. 2019. 2019. Yeah, I believe it wasn't that it wasn't that far back. But it was, back, but it, was the, but it was after we saw it in in Orlando. Right. We saw it in there 2013. But yeah, it's it's a great story. I feel like a lot of people relate it mm-hmm. back to like Mexican culture. And I think it's more of just like Hispanic culture because I was told it as a child. So I'm not sure right. how much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I it wasn't one that I was super familiar with until um, I, I saw the movie. I heard a little bit more about it. I saw it at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, actually, I think seeing it at Halloween Horror Nights is what really got me to want to see the movie. And the movie was really good. The movie was scary. So, yeah. You haven't seen it? Go see it. It's really good. Uh, let's see. All right, our next urban legend. Um, Nikki, what do we have? Roanoke. Did I pronounce that right? Mm-hmm. Roanoke? Yeah, Roanoke. So, Roanoke is. It was depicted in HHN twenty four as Roanoke Cannibal Colony. The real mm-hmm. story behind Roanoke. It was one of the first um, 
attempts at establishing colonies in the United States. It was a small colony, but yeah. They uh, basically, HHN, yeah. Basically. HHN took that and made a story out of it. Yeah. So basically with Roanoke, it was like they kind of ran out of food and had no way to survive. And it is rumored that Roanoke, um, they did become cannibals. That was kind of the rumor. But I believe they also just disappeared. They were like the lost colony, like up and vanished. Nobody knew where they went. The the basically the colony, the little establishment town they built was completely abandoned. And nobody really knows what happened to these people. It's not like there was, I mean, this was, of course, a very long time ago, um, but there wasn't like a bunch of bodies that were found. Um, So there's a lot of theories and legends behind what happened to these people that they may have been cannibals. Um, And then we did see, yeah, like Nikki said, at HHN 24, Roanoke Cannibal Colony as a house. So in this house, you're essentially going through the colony and you see all of the um, colonial people as cannibals. So um, this house, I don't think was, it was good. It wasn't like a fan favorite. Um, It wasn't bad. It was just a lot of like people, of course, getting eaten, getting cut up. You're in the woods, you're in the colony, you're in the fort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember going through it and stopping at one point because there was basically a barbecue going on with some meat and obviously it's human meat like they're cannibals yeah. and i remember stopping and talking to scare actor and being like oh what you got there and he's like got- me i'm like ooh, so- what kind of meat yeah. yeah and my friend's like go 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 i'm like wait i'm, I'm having a conversation <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it was an okay yeah uh, it was an interesting story yeah. we did have corn i did like uh kind of like the facade to this um but again it was just kind of like a the colonial it looks like pilgrims in that are eating other people. So um, this house, yeah. we saw at 24. It was okay. This one, I believe, was in a, the parade warehouse um, over in the back as well. So, um, but this was one, another kind of urban legend that we've seen at the event. We also, uh, nothing at 25, no urban legends at 25, other than Lyrona being in a scare zone. At 26, though, we did get the Krampus house in Orlando. Now, this Krampus house... Based on the movie. Right. So this was technically based off of the movie, but the movie itself is based off of kind of like a um, a European legend. So we kind of... We counted it as a legend. I mean, Roanoke too. We kind of just put it into the category because these are all kind of legends and folk tales that we've heard folklore throughout the years. Um, But Krampus, the original backstory to Krampus is um, in Central European um, culture, it's the legend says that a half goat, half demon monster uh, punishes misbehaving children at Christmas time. So this kind of sounds like another one that they use to scare children. They um, love scare tactics, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> but he is essentially, uh, it says he is the devilish companion of St. Nicholas. And Krampus right. is believed to have originated in Germany and his name derives from the German word Krampen, which means claw Krampen Krampen so there's a festival in Germany I believe called like Krampus not and it's people dressing up as Krampus himself and like basically scaring children yes and it's and- like before Christmas just to like make sure the kids are aware that to behave well or else Krampus is gonna come get them yeah and if you look at um if you just google Krampus and you look at some pictures the way that Krampus is depicted is essentially like a 
he's has like goat feet and a he goat, has these yeah. horns and this long tongue like oh i don't like the tongue i don't know what the tongue but he has a lot of the pictures he has kind of like a basket on his back and he has children in there yep he's he takes the kids down to hell that have been misbehaving essentially yeah. um if you want to dive into like his character Mm-hmm. shape and form the go is usually depicted as the devil like the devil can be seen as a ghost so the fact mm-hmm. that he's like half go it just emphasizes that he's supposed to be like the demon or the devil counterpart to christmas mm-hmm. but- and then yeah once you get christmas involved then you can kind of add in other um of course typically with krampus we do see a winter setting because it is a christmas um story and then it's also um you know, in the Krampus house we had at 26, we did see some of the evil elves and snowmen and stuff kind of like that. Um, but we did talk about this a little bit because on the spec map currently, we are rumored to get a Krampus original at HHN 32. Right. Yep. Not based on the movie, just based on Krampus itself, which I think yeah. would be very cool to see. Maybe like a very like dark winter night in Germany, a little German town and mm-hmm. just havoc taking over with yeah. campus breaking doing his I, thing i agree this is one um particularly for 32 i i'm really excited to see if it does come um the sets they could do with it the costume and character design i just think it would work really well um and they did a great job when they did the ip of based on the movie so when they have an original and they have all the cr- the creativity in the world it's like absolutely like give it to them <laughs> Right, I agree. I believe this could also be like the pretty sensory house for the I agree. Year also. Oh, for sure. That's one of yeah. the reasons I loved the 26 one so much was this it was it was pretty. I loved to see it. It was it felt really like you were in the story. So, I'm really excited to see if they do that again. Um if we do get it as original. But um speaking of originals, uh Nikki, do you want to talk about the next one? Mhm. So the next one is Layer of the Banshee, which we did see as a scare zone from 26. And to those who do not know yet, the it is speculated to be returning as a house this year. Mm-hmm. An original. Uh, in the scare zone, we an original, right? We love those originals. Mm-hmm. In the scare zone, it was basically just a bunch of banshees, which if you don't know, banshees are spirit-like women. They're usually women who roam around and they uh, usually are close to those who are about to die or have died, like the family members and all that. Um, So they were in the scare zone along with like some like forest creatures, basically Mm kind of like turned bad forest creatures. And it was a very like foresty setting for the scare zone. So we see how they could turn that into a house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was um, Banshees in general are kind of like an urban legend. Obviously, um, Banshees, as far as we know, are not a real thing. Um, Kind of just like a legend behind, like Nikki said, um, warding the death of a loved one. Um, but this is another urban legend we we saw at 26 and we... Irish folklore. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's something we might see at the event this year. So I would be curious to see what they do with this. Um, the setting we saw the last time was kind of like in a wooded. I mean, of course, it was a scare zone, so it was outside. I think it was Central Park. Um, but I'd be curious to see if they do kind of like a wooded setting. Um in the house if they do a layer of the banshee original house or um what kind of settings they do with that or who what the storyline is because there's a lot that they could do with it banshees come from irish folklore 
and they are believed to be the messenger of death. Like I said, they are spirits, usually female, mm-hmm. and they are seen usually screaming, wailing, or crying out to announce the un- impending death of a f- in a family. So they're usually around the family when someone's about to die. Mm-hmm. It is suggested that the banshees uh, may, be, may come from the sorrowful sounds of Irish women who mourn their lost loved ones. That's hmm. where the original lore came from. It's just the sounds of women mourning. And from that, there was banshees. Uh, they're usually dressed in gray or white. They come out at night and it's said to her- herald the death of a family member with their screams, wails, shrieks, and keens. She can appear as an old queen crone a beautiful young woman or even an animal so i can definitely see them turning this into like a forest setting and just Mm -hmm. having a bunch of different banshees running around even some animals too yeah that's what i'm saying this one they could definitely do a lot with so i'm really curious to see if it does come um this is one of the urban legends they could i mean it is an irish tale um but i feel like they could really kind of put it anywhere like even though krampus was kind of like a a german tale um the story that we had krampus in was kind of like an american setting so i'm really curious to see what they end up doing with this if we do get it I would like it to see it set in, in its original setting just to be culturally accurate like they kind of mm-hmm. did with uh, Chupacabra just to keep the, it more authentic, you know? Right, right. Um, but let me see. So after that, oh yeah, at HHN 29, so nothing really at 27 or 28. At HHN 29, we had the original house Yeti Terror of the Yukon. So um, everyone pretty much knows what a Yeti is. Kind of like an abominable snowman. Um, but not really, I mean, kind of, I'm sure there's differences, but <laughs> I'm not a, like a Yeti abominable snowman historian. So I couldn't tell you if you're there was not a difference. Allie, what are you doing <laughs> on this podcast? I know, I know coming on here about urban legends and I don't know the difference between an abominable snowman and a Yeti. So, um, we did have Yeti terror of the Yukon as a house at HHN 29 and that was an original Um, But this house in particular, I liked a lot because it was obviously in a a very cold setting and um, the Yetis were big. You did this house too, right? I did. Yeah. I did not have the same experience as you because I do not like it when they're bigger than me and I'm (laughs) a five foot four little person. Yeah. (laughs) So when they're bigger than me and they were huge, they were humongous. They were big. Something I'll, yeah, something I specifically remember about this house was um well of course it was set in like a cold dark climate like it's mm-hmm. supposed to be you, terror Yukon. of the yukon so um that kind of made more sense but it was like there was one scare where if you looked up the yeti was like on a platform like a bug yes and i remember him like oh my gosh and then i think at one point um you have an arm swing down and almost grab mm-hmm. you and then it's like you go into this like cabin and Basically, all these people who were camping or hunting after this Yeti are dead. And right. you're just going through these, like, cold ice caverns, like, trying to escape this Yeti. But this house was really good. I did like this house a lot. It was well done. The costume design was great. I just do not like it when they're bigger than me. And that's just a personal person. Honestly, like, it did its job. It scared me. So it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I was just terrified always going through this house because they're so big. And I'm so right. small. And yeah, <laughs> like, the, this there was, was real, a, lot, not, well. a lot of yetis in this house. I mean, we, um, not so much a house itself, um, but we did have Swamp Yeti in um, Slaughter, Cinema, Slaughter Cinema, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
So yep. another little Yeti appearance, but <laughs> other than that, yeah, we've had Yeti there. Uh, I think Swamp Yeti was also in Legendary Truth. Uh, no, what's the other one? Oh, um, Hellblock. We had a Yeti yes. in Hellblock too. Yes, we did. Um, I'm very glad he wasn't there when we went through because that was yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, one time, one time we saw him and he got me good because there was a break in the um, like the cell bars, and he reaches out and like swings at you, and that really got me bad. One time, I almost like fell to the ground. <laughs> yeah, but every Ali had told me about that time before I went at in. Hell I was block, like, yeah, I was like, watch, I was like, watch yourself on the Yeti because he's. It's funny because Nikki and I, neither one of us got through um, Hellblock opening night. And then I ended up doing it, I think, with somebody else. And then I was like, okay, that was actually kind of scary. But we also went through alone. So, but yeah, Yeti was not our last urban legend that we've seen at Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, do you want to talk about the last one? Yeah. Wow, Your favorite? I got all the, sp- I got the, all fun the Spanish houses. <laughs> hmm. Uh, the next one is Fiesta <laughs> La Chupacabra from HHN31. And like Ali said, I love this house. I love Chupi. I love little Chupi babies. I always wanted to boop their noses, but I didn't because I you do not touch scare actors or no, the props in the houses. Or the puppets or anything. <laughs> or the puppets or anything. You keep your hands to yourself, but, you know, always want to boop the snoot. Uh, for those who do not know, the Chupacabra is from Latin America. And it's a monstrous creature that is known to attack animals and consume their blood. The name Chupacabra comes from the Spanish word chupar, which means to suck, and cabra, which means goat. Mm. And it could be literally translated to goat sucker. Wow. So, yeah. uh, It is fearsome, but probably not a real creature, obviously. Uh, Yeah. yeah, It's been the Chupacabra house. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. And then I it's one. been characterized just as the southern equivalent to Sasquatch, essentially. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, if you even though it remember... doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a Sasquatch. No. Well, if you ask HHN what it looked like, I think they're confused also because on the merch we got a more alien-like chupacabra, the lizard, <laughs> and then, and yeah. Then... And then this- in the house, we got a more cat-looking chupacabra, so. Yeah, so there is multiple iterations. Um, Of course, with urban legends and things like that, they do not exist or have not yet been discovered by enough people to be proven to exist. So, um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different interpretations as to what a chupacabra looks like. Um, one of which is one that we got on the merch, which is I have, there was a shirt and a jacket that said, never go alone. And um, the chupacabra on that one was more of the lizard kind of looking with the spikes on the back. I think is what we typically see as a chupacabra Mm -hmm. is like that more alien lizardly looking thing with the spikes on his back. Mm -hmm. But in the house, we like Nikki said, we kind of got more of the dog. I'd say it's more of a dog than a cat, but it did have whiskers. I mean, dogs have whiskers too. So I just wanted to boop the snoot. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Every time I saw a little chew baby come out, I'm like, oh my goodness, look at you. (laughs) So yeah, going through HHN history, um, HHN 11 all the way through 31, we've seen a couple different iterations of different urban legends, um, folklore that was made into a house. Um, It seems like most of the time made into originals, unless there was a movie already based on the legend, of course. Um, But for our main segment now, we are going to be going through some urban legends and folklore that we think would make a great HHN house. 
So we're going to kind of talk about the backstory behind these legends, kind of like a little story time from Nikki and Allie. (laughs) And then (laughs) after we go through that story um, and we haven't actually gone through, we did make sure that we both have different stories, but some of them um, we haven't actually like fully discussed together. So we're going to be going through that. And then we'll also talk about um, why we kind of want to see it as a house and some things from this urban legend that they might be able to do in a house. So right. uh, it's kind of like a yeah, it's a little bit of a campfire session, campfire yeah. stories. So gather well, children as we tell you the tales, <laughs> the, the spooky stories of urban legends and folklore. We could almost put like a a scary backtrack music on. Yeah. <laughs> so right, I'll let you go first. Yeah, go ahead. The first one I want to discuss is from Arizona, and it's called the Ghost of Slaughterhouse Canyon. So the story of Slaughterhouse Canyon, which is also called as Luana's Canyon, for those who don't want to be as frightened, takes place during the gold (laughs) rush. During the 1800s, there was a family who lived down the canyon. They were very, very poor. And the father would venture out into the canyon to look for food for his family, kind of like a hunter-gatherer situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, one day, daddy didn't come home. So they had no food. For the family and the family slowly started to starve and get really really hungry mm-hmm. apparently the mother was driven to uh, madness at one point from listening to her children's crying for food that mm-hmm. she put on her wedding dress murdered the children and threw them into a nearby river and then the next day she oh. died of herself yeah oh so the leg- yeah, so legend has it that if you go down to that Slaughterhouse Canyon, a.k.a. Luana's Canyon in Arizona, mm-hmm. at night, you can hear the loud cries of the mother after she lost her mind. Oh, so I think creepy. this would make such a good house of, like, just the mother spirits roaming around the canyon. And it yeah. could be uh, in that setting of, like, you know, like Red Rock Canyon-y looking and maybe have like a few animal scares just to throw people off and then have the mother come out, maybe the dad, you know? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, this canyon in Arizona, I mean, you're out in the in the middle of nowhere, right? Right. There, yep. There's a lot they could do, kind of like a dark nighttime desert, um, yep. you know, that they could do with that. And on top of that, I mean, they could kind of do, I mean, it kind of sounds a little bit like La Llorona. It's a little different, of course. Um, but they've done that in the past and it worked out really well. Yeah. Different setting completely. So I think it, I think right. it would look really cool as a house. They could kind of do it as like us as guests to the event are kind of like the children. And she's kind of coming for us and anybody in her way. So uh, maybe, like you said, there's maybe some animals out in there in this canyon in Arizona. Or there's some other people that we are with that are maybe getting attacked or taken. So maybe I mean, other campground people some other campers yeah okay so for my first urban legend um we are going to talk about is a um north american legend and it is called a wendigo now um, a wendigo is a mythological cannibalistic monster and um, it's associated with winter particularly and is described as either a fearsome beast that stalks and eats humans or as a spirit that possesses humans causing them to turn into cannibals there are many different spellings and pronunciations of wendigo 
the term is defined as basically a winter cannibal monster. Um, some legends say the Wendigo is an emancipated figure with ashen flesh. Others describe it as a giant creature up to 15 feet tall or as a beast that grows larger the more it eats. Uh, it may have sunken glowing eyes, sharp yellow fangs, and claws. Its lips are chewed or entirely missing because it has eaten them. And it may also be hairless or have fur. This sounds like it's a big variety. Like, it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> it could be hairless or have fur. Um, and it may have pointed ears or horns or antlers like a deer. It smells of rotting flesh and is usually first detected by humans due to its horrible odor. Uh, they live in colder climates among the woodlands and lakes of Canada and the northern United States. And they can move easily through the snow and across ice because of their, they kind of like hooves for feet. Um, it says a shaman may be the only person who can subdue and destroy a Wendigo using a silver steel or iron bullet or a dagger. Um, some legends, however, claim the Wendigo's heart must be cut out and melted or burned in a fire before its spirit is truly vanquished. So, Ooh. yeah, this sounds like, I mean, just kind of like a very, I mean, a 15 foot tall creature that yeah. can be basically, um, it kind of looks like, I mean, of course, there's a lot of different depictions, but like has goat feet, has these big antlers, like basically a dead face, these claws, like this big Wendigo, like I could see basically any setting. They really specifically say the woodlands and lakes of Canada. So I could really see kind of like a campy, like a campfire. You're out in the woods and you have this big Wendigo chasing after you. And kind of like we right. saw with Yeti, but in the woods and um, could be in winter, could not. But this is a cool one though. Because a lot they can do with it. Like it could possess people, make them cannibals. They could cast some cannibals in a house. You could have the creature itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Choopy where they had... um the city residents yeah. attacking people also like uh-huh. kind of like that that'd be kind of like see. support it yeah exactly yeah. so this is kind of like a cannibalistic thing um but this this wendigo is not necessarily a human so i was like i guess that doesn't really make it a cannibal but no but it, you said they can people. possess people to yeah. be cannibals right so you can have yeah. the cannibals who are possessed and then you can have the creature come out also Right. So it's just kind of just that's how it's described. There's two ways as a spirit that possesses humans or as a uh, this beast that stalks and eats humans. So, it you know, they could probably play into both of those into a house. And then, you know, if like I said, if you see a picture of this, just Google Wendigo and just take a look at it. This thing looks absolutely they are terrifying. Quite- it does look quite frightening from the picture you have here. Yeah, I would not want to run into one of those. Um, no, they did, no, thank especially you. I could really see them like in like a dark corner with a strobe light and this big 15 foot like creature is running at you like kind of on stilts. Yeah. I think that would yep. be really awesome. And then we that- can have a scene at the end where there someone is it says a shaman is the only person who can destroy it either using a silver bullet or an iron bullet or a dagger. So we could have some kind of big scene at the end where uh, the shaman comes out. Yeah. Just takes it out the Wendigo or That'd one of them. Cool. There may be more. Right. <laughs> final, final scare as you're heading out. To, to be continued. Last, yeah. Yeah. W- one last Wendigo. <laughs> but that yeah, kind of cool to see. I think, it, I think it's a interesting one that I'm kind of surprised we haven't had like a, of course we've had universal monsters houses, but like a monster kind of like this like a urban legend kind of monster other than chupacabra but 
these right. big ones are scary so they are the character mm -hmm. design would be pretty cool to see how mm -hmm. hhm would take it on mm -hmm. uh so the next one i have comes from massachusetts and it's the spirits of hozak tunnel uh hozak tunnel is a was a 24 lo year long construction in western massachusetts where approximately 200 men died the death was associated with the tunnel and was actually nicknamed the bloody pit mm. after uh, yeah there was an explosion either in 1867 or 1868 where 13 miners were trapped inside the tunnel and the other workers just assumed that those miners had died and left them there after the explosion but oh, it was no. discovered yeah, but it was discovered that the miners had actually lived and built a raft trying to combat all the flooding coming in from the explosion, but they died due to the poisonous gas. Oh, so they, yeah. that's kind of, sounds like we got some pissed off ghosts. I'd be pissed mm -hmm, off. Yeah. <laughs> it said that 13 years, uh, the 13 miners can actually haunt the tunnels for years, moaning and briefly appearing as ghosts. And if you are a fan of my bloody valentine this seems like the kind of thing for you because it kind of follows similar oh, story right. in the mines yeah mm -hmm. uh that the miners are trapped down there and then eventually eat killed by one of their own and eaten your bloody yeah. valentine this is not the same story but it's kind of similar kind of similar settings it'll be kind of cool to see us like go into the mines and come right. in contact with these ghosts Oh, there's a lot they could do. I'm actually, now that you think about it, I'm surprised that we really haven't had like a underground and you can't escape kind of house, like a catacombs or a like the mines. I mean, we had terror mines, but that was not, <laughs> not quite. Right. A little different. A little yeah. different. But not I terror mean, creatious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, um, they could easily make this a really dark house. I mean- even in um, Spirits of the Coven, we had that little mine cart, kind of like you were underground. And I that was right. probably one of my favorite parts of the house once we felt like we were supposed to be underground. Um, they could make it feel Oh, you mean the Seven Dwarves Mine Train? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> just a little mine cart. But they could easily do something like that and do an entire house where you have these like miners that are ghosts and dead and are coming after you and you're trying to escape the mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could end up They're going deeper and deeper. Yeah. I mean, even in Descendants of Destruction, that was essentially supposed to be underground as well. Um, but that was, of course, in this, like, under New York, like, in the subway and the the underground, the city. But it was, yeah. like, in there, we did have kind of the dimmed lights and the, um, we had the lights and the solar power. And then eventually it was just the bioluminescence, so... I mean, they've kind of played on that idea a little bit, but nothing really like this this urban legend. No. I just think it'd be kind of cool aesthetic for them to take on with the miners and underground and all that. Oh, I agree. I think there's a lot they could do with it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, lots they could... of dark areas because there's no lights down yeah. there. Yeah. You know? I mean, you could have a tunnel that you're going through. I mean, then again, I'm sure they, they could find a way to kind of vary the setting so you're not just running through a tunnel the whole time. Like they right. can add, they can add more to the story where, I don't know. There's a specific miner that is like, I don't know, kind of the main guy, and maybe he is making everyone come after you or something. But um, I think it would be really cool to feel like you're underground, and maybe there's like dead bodies underground, and there's other people who have tried to get out and they just can't get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Uh, let me see what I have. So the next urban legend that I have is the death ship of the Platte River. So on the Platte River between Torrington and Alcova, Wyoming, a legend persists that the ship of death continues to sail upon the sometimes dangerous waters. The phantom ship rises out of a strange mist that quickly becomes a massive rolling ball of fog. So the ship kind of like emerges from this like immediate fog. And as the ship goes cl- grows closer, witnesses report that it's snails and mast sails, not snails, sails, that its sails and masts are covered with frost. The crew, also covered with frost, is standing upon the deck and huddled around a corpse lying on a canvas sheet. The legend continues that the ship always foreshadows the death of someone who will die on that day, and that person is usually spotted on the ship itself. As the crew steps back from the sheet, um, they kind of reveal the identity of the corpse, which is usually somebody that is, you know, kind of known by whoever has seen it, and usually that person dies. So the first sighting was made in all the way back in 1862 by a trapper named Leon Weber. And when the crew stepped back, the corpse revealed the body of Weber's fiance, who later Oof. died that, that same day she died. So he saw her on the ship and then went back to go check on her and she was dead. So um, and then another sighting of the Phantom ship was made by a cattleman named Gene Wilson. This was in 1887 uh, when he saw his wife's body laid out on the canvas and um in 1903 another tale describes that um he spied the ship when victor hive was chopping down a tree on his riverfront property laid out on the deck was the body of a close friend in every case that the ship was spotted um it was in the late fall and in all cases the person seen upon the deck of the phantom ship died on the very same day uh one of the sightings allegedly occurred six miles southeast of the town of Gersney, Wyoming. Gers, I don't know. How to say that. <laughs> G-U-E-R-N-S-E-Y. That sounds right. And another sighting was said to have occurred on, at Besmer Bend on the Platte River. So I think the idea, I mean, this urban legend is a little creepy in general, but just the idea of like a ghost ship and a ghost crew. Ship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, we the movie Ghost Ship is a little bit different. Um, everybody dies on the sh- the ship and then it's kind of just haunted. But this one um appears when somebody is gonna die and kind of a little bit like a banshee like kind of warns tells you yeah the death of in this case it looks like it was somebody's fiance or wife like almost every time um another time it was a friend but i mean just the idea of this ship coming out of the fog and the sails covered with frost and the mast covered with frost and the crew kind of sounds a little bit like dead man's pier but on ice i was gonna say (laughs) yeah the aesthetic probably matches the same as dead man's pier yeah, so this one, um, they could do like a facade of the ship itself, or maybe they could even include like the the river. You could have some settings that you're walking along the river at like a campsite or something, and you see this ship in the distance, and then all of a sudden you're you could maybe board the ship and go through. I mean, I think it would be cool. I mean, not really pirates, but a ship crew (laughs) pirate ghost pirates yeah that's not cool though i like it i mean we haven't of course we had the ss Fritanic at hhn (laughs) but um we haven't really gotten like a ghost ship so and that's the thing i mean even if you know of course the movie is ghost ship is again not the urban legend i think 
they could still take that kind of as an IP and kind of get the same idea out of it. Um, I would just like to see any kind of like nautical boat ship crew winter i'm all for it outside inside <laughs> yeah exactly i'm all for it they i mean they can't do it wrong then again um they could also make these this crew look really like really dead really dingy um kind of like dead man's pier but right frozen and on a river so i think they could do it i think so mm-hmm. if they could pull off dead man's pier they can pull off this i think so too Okay, so the next one I have is from New Jersey, and it's the Jersey Devil. It is from the 1700s. Legend says that the, a woman named Mother Leeds became pregnant with her 13th child and said, let this one be a slash the devil. Once the child was born, it grew hooves, wings, horns, and a tail. So basically, she's spoken into existence that her 13th child was going to be this devil-like creature. Now the monster has been spotted periodically throughout history in the Pine Barrens region of New Jersey. The state of New Jersey actually has, like, taken upon themselves to embrace this creature and actually <laughs> named their hockey team after it. Yeah, It's called the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. So it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but the creature itself, like it said, it has hooves, wings, horns, and a tail. In this description that I found, it is said to have kangaroo-like creature with a face of a horse, head of a dog, bat-like wings, horns, and a tail. That, to me, yeah. sounds like it would be ter- absolutely terrifying to see in a house. Yep. You can put it's it anywhere. Seen. Yeah. Anywhere in New Jersey. The- <laughs> yeah. New in Jersey's kind of... I'm gonna say New Jersey's kind of scary as it is, but if you put the, <laughs> the Jersey Devil there, I can say that I'm from Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, so it's it's okay. Yeah. But um, I mean, I don't know. I they could, they could do like a gas station, and it's like half run down, and this Jersey Devil's there, or like an a town, like a whole town where the Jersey yeah Devil's they can definitely taken over. They can mix it with like cityscapes and also like forest areas. It says that they're he's usually seen in the Pine Barrens region. Okay. I'm not familiar with New Jersey, but mm-hmm. it sounds like foresty area. <laughs> I mean, pine, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, the Jersey Devil, if you think about it, um, do we know how big the Jersey Devil is? Is it smaller like Chupacabra or like bigger kind of like the Wendigos? It looks I have no idea. bigger from the descriptions. I think that would be cool. They could easily do it almost exactly like they did Chupacabra. Yeah. And just do it in New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, then again, though, the Jersey Devil doesn't have to stay in New Jersey. No, he has wings. He could fly. Yeah. So he, could <laughs> he could be a traveling man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's um, one sketch of him literally like as the devil with wings. Yeah. I mean, the That's Jersey Devil, Um, it's kind of funny because a lot of people, I feel like this is kind of a more famous um i would say like urban legend a lot of people have heard of this one but don't really know the story behind it it's like you say jersey devil it's like oh i know what that is and it's like but do you so um but this was a big one uh kind of in the the northeast like jersey pennsylvania a lot of people are a lot more familiar with this one and i mean they could really they could set this back in time they could set this in present day there's a lot they could do with it yeah or even the family like uh you said the mother the, the mother yeah. yeah like they could even Motherly include that needs. too because yeah. he's yeah. just a fun little one the <laughs> fact that they've embraced him like named the hockey team after him i think is pretty funny 
I think it's funny too, because on the, the hockey team, they don't actually have like a picture, like the mascot is not like the, the actual Jersey devil. It's like, let me see. Cause it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's like a devil, but it's not like the depiction of like the urban legend. That's <laughs> like the whore, like the hooves and the, the wings and that. Could you imagine they had that as like a mascot? <laughs> But I think that'd we be a good him. house. I mean, they could do even with the Jersey Devil. I mean, they could have him flying. They could have that like a bungee scare, or even like we had in Scary Tales, the witch. Right? She yeah, and the facade just flying around. Yeah, that would be pretty. That'd cool. be kind of cool. Seeing seeing the Jersey Devil flying over your head, like swooping at you. Oh, sign me up. What next so, one do you have, Allie? Yeah. So for my next one, um, this one's a little bit more well known. Um. But I feel like I haven't really heard it been talked about, about possibly coming to HHN um, or just an idea. So this one I'm going to talk about is Skinwalkers. So uh, the Navajo Skinwalker is known as Yinalushi, as I believe how it's pronounced. And it means it walks around on four legs. And um, it's a, though it's possible to be women as well, um, Skinwalkers are more frequently seen. They're s- supposed to be like shapeshifters. So they can be seen as coyotes, wolves, foxes, eagles, owls, crows, and um, basically treat like creatures that you would kind of not trust. So um, kind of the scary ones. The Navajo believe that skinwalkers have the ability to steal the face of a person. And some believe that if you ever lock eyes with a skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into a person's body or Ooh. that one's body might freeze up with fear allowing the skinwalker to channel that fear to gain power and energy. So um, it also says a skinwalker can transform into any animal by first wearing a pelt of the animal in order to properly transform into said animal. Um, Similar lore can be found in cultures throughout the world and is often referred to as shape-shifting by anthropologists because it is believed that skinwalkers wear the skins of animals they transform into. It is considered taboo to kind of wear the pelt of animals. Um, in fact, the Navajo are only known to wear two hides, sheepskin and buckskin, both of which are only used for ceremonial purposes. So, I mean, I've seen, so if you go on YouTube or TikTok and just look up skinwalkers, it's so creepy. Like there's so many videos and well, of course, like we really won't ever know if these are real or not, but there's some videos that show animals kind of, it almost looks like they're like getting ready to shape shift and they're like, they're like stretching weird. And they're like, Oh, I can't even describe it. Just look it up. Just go on TikTok and look up skinwalkers. But this is a really creepy idea. They can like, yeah, freeze your body and they can also take the face of like anyone. So you really don't know if it's a skinwalker or if it's like someone you trust, but I do feel like there's a lot of creepy depictions of skinwalkers that they could put into a house, kind of like a person on four legs or like half shape shifted into an animal or I mean, yeah. they can, it can More really like body be a lot of Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot they could do with this. The settings can really be anywhere. Um, you could also have some of these, uh, the Navajo people wearing the hides in the house, they are, of course, wear them for ceremonial purposes, but they could kind of play into that as well. Um, but this is one, I think just the urban legend itself is very creepy. 
And I think there's a lot that they could do with it as a house. I mean, I don't know. Skinwalkers, like we said, they can be coyotes. They can be wolves. They can be foxes, eagles. I mean, they can have all of these animals in the house that are watching you or also these people that are trying to warn you. Like, oh, that's a skinwalker. Or you don't really know, like, who to trust. So I feel like in a house, it could kind of play out well. As long as they they make the skinwalker scary and not just, like, people. Right. I mean, from the description, they seem creepy enough. And from the pictures you have there, too. Like, yeah. just, like, body Ugh. horror-esque. Like, just covered. Like, it's all skin and just transforming into different things. Yeah. I mean, they're shapeshifters. So, um, but it's also the idea that if they if you look at them, they can absorb themselves and like, you kind of like freeze up with fear and they kind of like gain power from your fear. So they could also play off that in the house as well, where it's like this skinwalker is getting more and more powerful as you're going through. So I think they could do that. And then I don't know how you can, I don't know. I tried to find a way, I mean, where, the previous urban legends usually there's a way you can like ward them off or something like that but i think skinwalkers from what i found that you're kind of like there's nothing you can do (laughs) you can't stop them (laughs) so this would be one uh probably a house where we would not make it out of (laughs) right unfortunately but i'm pretty sure there's a unexplained mystery unsolved mystery episode on them yeah Because there's a lot of videos, like I said, just take a minute and go on YouTube or TikTok and just look at skinwalkers. And there's some videos, they could have very easily been edited, but they just look very creepy. And then just imagine that in a Horror Nights house. I feel like that would be really cool. Hmm. Very scary. So which one do you have next? Cool. So I decided to look for some Japanese ones just from the uh, rumored Japanese house. Even though it cannot be happening, it could be happening. We're not really sure right now. Uh, but the first Japanese one I have is called the Okiku doll from Japan. Oh, okay. I've, I've actually heard of that one. Yeah, she it's a doll that's currently in display at one of the temples in Japan, the Maneji. Maneji Japan mm-hmm. in Japan, maybe. Um, it's home to the spirit of a little girl who died in 1919. And the urban legend goes that in 1918, when 17-year-old older sister, older brother, brought the doll for the two-year-old sister, Mm -hmm. she seemed to really be taken with it, and she named the doll after herself and played with it for hours. The following year, she died, and the family was mourning and left the doll at their altar in their home. Mm -hmm. They soon noticed that the doll's hair started to grow. Ooh. Which do- dolls are not animate objects, so they're not supposed to no. be. Um, it is believed that the girl left her spirit inside the doll, and the family gave the doll away to the temple where it is still kept. Uh, tests reveal that the hair of the doll is indeed human hair and continues to grow despite frequent trimmings. So weird. Apparently, yeah, that doll does have human hair and it is growing. That's uh, terrifying. Um, Right? I mean, the way that they made it sound, they didn't make it, like, they didn't say anything like her, like, the doll coming to life or anything, but the fact that, like, the hair is still growing, and, like, I feel like Universal can totally take oh, this yeah. and spin it they, and exactly. be like, yeah, the doll is alive and she's killing people and whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, um, because a lot of the dolls that we've seen at Horror Nights have all been, like, killer dolls. 
Um, right. But this is a little bit different in the fact that it's essentially like the doll, like the girl is taking over the doll, which I guess is kind of similar to um, some of the other doll possession things. But this doll, like the fact that it's like slowly turning human is kind of like really creepy. I mean, to be fair, Chucky in the Chucky movies, the longer he's in the doll body, he becomes more human, like like he bleeds and stuff. But right. this is a little bit different because Chucky was like a, a voodoo, like purposely transferred his soul into a doll. Whereas this right. was kind of just like, how did this even happen? Right. We're not sure what this little girl did. I mean, she was two years old when it happened. So maybe just the fact that she like paired so well with the doll that her spirit just transferred right over. Yeah. But yeah, the family gave the doll over to the temple because they're like, basically, we're not fucking with this. Yeah, well, good for them. That's they're so pretty scary. smart. So many, yeah. so many times in scary movies, I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, why would you? Do why that? are you still living like, there? Yeah, get rid of the doll, please. <laughs> so, but at yeah, least, soon as I- you know, with this, they could really build a huge, like, a whole story off of this doll that is essentially becoming this girl, or at least the right. hair. Like, I mean, there's a lot they could do with that. Right. And it's set in Japan, so I feel like they can, like, move maybe from the temple to the streets and, you know, right. have that whole Japan aesthetic going. Mm-hmm. And even with that, they could still, like, I mean, add in, like, different different scenes from the doll if the doll is eventually a killer doll. I know it's not currently in the folk, like, the folklore, but, yeah. but they could have take that and... I think they could do a lot more with it than they really do with Chucky because Chucky just kind of like orchestrates these kills. But I don't know. Something right. about this like really creepy Japanese doll that is suddenly becoming this girl. I don't know. I think there's a lot they could do with it. Maybe like her spirit could possess other things too. Yeah. She just exactly. like spreads out. That's true. Everything. Well, that's true too because I mean, we don't have to follow any rules because here we are. We have this doll with human hair. So <laughs> right. I mean, at that point, it's like, shit like there can be three there can be four <laughs> however many however many we don't know be. she could possess <laughs> a little toy dog or something we don't know yeah exactly or even the rest of the family you never know right come for the family make them all into dolls never know all right um my next one this is one another one from the northeast pennsylvania um this one is called the seven gates of hell and there's actually two iterations of this urban legend um i'm gonna kind of hit on the second one um the first one is the more popular one um it's rumored that just off trout run road a huge building where all of with all the hallmarks of victorian perfectionism stood tall um erected at the turn of the 20th century an isolated wooded area was chosen to home an asylum with patients the local doctors deemed too dangerous and too insane for the nearby town uh, one day years after the asylum claimed its first inmates a fire started and um we don't know if the fire was an accident or if it was on purpose and the fire spread so quickly it engulfed like the patients and the doctors and um they were all confined out in the middle of the woods in this asylum so the firefighters could not even get to the building nor the victims in the fire um before it was essentially like completely destroyed and um there was a few that did escape however um all that that's basically left to this day is the the gate that is the kind of the entrance to this like asylum and um some believe the gate was there to keep the patients in some believed it was there to keep people out um but either way 
it according to the urban legend that's still it's still kind of haunted years later um it is rumored to be one of seven gates that lead deeper into the dark winding woods it is the only gate that can be seen during the day and the rest um of the gates so there's supposed to be like seven gates can be found in the dead of night uh, legend has it if you pass through all seven gates you will through the seventh gate essentially walk into hell now of course Jeez. this is an urban legend <laughs> um and it's one of the most famous hauntings um but if you look back into history this asylum didn't exist on that specific road so we're not really sure uh what this story where this really came from um but we do know that off that land there was a doctor that lived there so this is kind of the second side of the story uh there was a doctor that lived there um and he might have been the doctor that was featured in this urban legend. Uh, the story basically goes that the doctor moved out to the country, opting for, like, a more wooded location, secluded from all of the patients. And, like, uh, but the peace and serenity of the sheltered home soon becomes silence when it is drowned by the doctor essentially going mad. Um, he basically becomes an unethical doctor with these as it's still kind of like asylum patients in this story um but either way so it's it's kind of rumored that he did kill people on this property and then people escaped or could not escape and they couldn't get out because of this gate so um yeah so seven gates of hell i think they could do a house where you see this asylum yeah yeah or the patients and it's burning and you have the patients coming after you. You have the doctors coming after you. Because it sounds like the doctors were kind of shitty, to be honest. Yeah. It sounds like they weren't really great people. But you're, you could, could also t- be, like, going through these gates, like, in the dead of night. And you're kind of trying to get out of these this woods or escape this asylum. And then once you get through the last gate, it's, like, hell. <laughs> Literally. Mm-hmm. I could totally see, like, in the house, you're you're seeing yourself going through all these different gates. And, like, the scene, like, possess- progressively changes as you go through each gate. Right. And, a technically, and then once you pass the seventh yeah. one, you're in hell. On the property, um, there is, like, only one physical gate that exists. Like, you go to the property and the gate is still there. To this day, the gate is still there. Um, but, obviously, the property is owned by somebody. So, it says online, if you are going to go, you will be trespassed. So, don't go. Don't show up at this person's house, please. But, um, <laughs> I mean, just the idea of once you go through the first gate in the dead of night, then suddenly the other gates become like accessible. It's kind of an interesting theory. And then it's also kind of the idea of like, what do you have to go through to get to these other gates? You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot that's unknown and I think there's a lot that they could do with it. But, and then the seventh gate, of course, it's all leading up to this last gate. And then once you're through that last gate, it's like, oh my gosh, like you're here. That's like the finale. You like made it to the end. But they could have the burning asylum. I mean, we had the burning schoolhouse um, in Welcome to Scary. We talked about a little bit. I mean, they've done right in the Halloween house. Halloween, the hospital was burning and they had Michael in there right. at the, that one that one Halloween house yeah. that we got. I want to say I don't we know. We definitely know that uh, Halloween Hornet can definitely conquer bur- burning, burning. buildings. Yeah. yeah. Put us in a burning building. I want to see. I mean, I it's that's something you can only ever experience in a pop I, w- I wouldn't say a positive way but in a way that you're not like frantically trying to escape at halloween horror nights because then it's like okay i know it's not real but it's really cool to get to see like 
walking through this asylum and then you have the doctors and the patients and maybe you're in the woods and then you find another gate and then you're trying to escape but you're actually like accidentally going through all these gates so this is one that i think might be cool to see but not so much a creature but just kind of a a scary scary story location i guess do we want to give one more each yeah yeah we'll do one more okay so the next one I have is from Japan as well and is the Kushisaki Una. Kushisaki Una is the name of a ghost that appears in many versions of urban legend in Japan. Kushisaki Una is also known as the slit mouth woman because of her looks. According to the stories, Kushisaki Una can be seen wandering around and and is always wearing like a surgical mask. Mm-hmm. So think back to like the peak of the pandemic where pandemic, everyone has a yeah. mask gone yeah she was probably thriving at that point she was like oh everyone looks just like me right now <laughs> yeah right but she yeah she approach anyone that walks near her and then she'll ask them if she's pretty and at that point people usually say yes because she is pretty but with her mouth being covered but when you say yes she'll remove her mask and reveal all the cuts on the corners of her mouth and ask oh. again if you think she's pretty you, if you do not say yes or you say no, she will cut your mouth to match hers. Oh. So you have to basically, like, to survive this whole... I uh, think, yeah, this sounds like... Great. You have to say, yeah, that like, you're beautiful. This sounds like losses. a great one. Because um, even though necessarily as someone going through a house like this, they couldn't really do that to you, you could easily go through this house and see this very scary-looking woman with her mouth, her the corners of her smile cut up her right. face. And then also you could see her doing it to other people. Right. I think it'd be cool to see, like, at first, like, you see her with the mask on. And she's just, like, her scares as she comes out. And the trigger is, do you think I'm pretty or whatever? Right. And then as you progress, she's taking off her mask. And you see her cutting out the other people's mouths and all that. Ugh. I think it would be very cool to see her that happen, that progression throughout mm-hmm. the story. Um, and again, like it's said in Japan, so just that setting that would uh, be cool. Maybe, she, maybe she's talking in Japanese, but most people do not know Japanese. But a lot of people don't know Spanish, and they are able to do the with chupacabra, so I think they can do yeah. it in Japanese. Well, that's the for thing this. is usually if the setting, uh, it usually you can kind of use context clues and figure out what they're saying, what's going on. But I think it would be really cool to kind of be in like the streets of Japan and you're surrounded by all these shops and restaurants and all these normal people. And then you have this one people, one person who is this creepy woman. But I guess she looks pretty normal with her mask on. But then once you see her mask is off, then you're going to be looking for her the rest of the house. And I bet you right. she'll be coming for you because at that point, you're, you kind of already made it clear that you don't think she's pretty. You're absolutely terrified. Exactly. Yeah. And then she could be, she could, you, I'm curious to see. Do they say it all? Like, does she cut them, like, herself? Like, does she have the knife? Does she? Yeah. She says, if you don't say that she's pretty, the second time that she asks, she'll cut your mouth to match hers. Mm. So I'm guessing she, that's when she whips out a knife and. Yeah. Oh, we could see her, like, holding somebody, like, against a wall or something, holding someone down and cutting them open. Uh, that'd right. be so creepy. I think uh, that would be a good one. A lot of these urban legends are just so creepy. Mm-hmm. like make your skin just like ooh, like, exactly but which i think is what they're supposed to do because i think like a lot of these stories are what's told to children 
to try right. to keep them in the house and not off wandering around. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what happens if somebody, if you tell someone they're not pretty, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, you got to be nice to people. You're beautiful, honey. You're yeah, right. Gorgeous. <laughs> Alrighty. So my very last one um, is a um, Filipino legend. Uh, this one is called the Mananangle. It's kind of a, a longer one, Mananangle. Um, that is a Filipino evil spirit that detaches her torso from her lower half and then it takes flight during the night to um, eat people. So the creature's name was derived from the Filipino world word ten- tangle, which is tangle. literally spelled like tangle. tangle. Yeah, yeah. Tangle, uh, which means to separate because of the mananangle's ability to separate itself from its lower body. Uh, to feed, the self-segmenter chose, chooses an isolated place where she will leave her lower torso while she hunts at night. Um, when she separates from her torso, she then gains the ability to fly. So she can only fly when she's detached from the lower half of her body. Oh, um, she and then bottom she, heavy? <laughs> I mean, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, this. can you imagine, like, somebody with, like, these, like, big wings and, like, their organs are all like hanging. Oh, I was gonna say like, the guts are hanging just, like, out. Flopping. Yeah. Oh. Um. Upon choosing a victim, the man in angle al- alights on the house and inserts her tongue through the roof. So the tongue is long, hollow, and flexible, and she uses it to puncture the womb of sleeping women, and um, in some cases, suck out fetuses. Oh. Oh my gosh. At other times, she seduces men with her beauty and lures them to a private place before eating them alive. She eats the insides, like the heart, stomach, or liver. Um, sunlight is deadly to the man in angle when she is in her monstrous form. Should her two halves be still separated when the coming of dawn, she will be destroyed. According to the oh. legend, to destroy the man in angle, one should search for the lower torso that is left behind during the nightly hunt. And apparently salt, ash, or garlic should then be placed on the exposed flesh and that prevents the monster from combining again and then leaving it vulnerable to the sunlight. So this, I mean, sounds kind of vampire esque. Yes, and it's actually, um, I That's did read I into getting. this, yeah, a little bit further. And this is kind of like a, um, basically kind of like a vampire because, like, like we said, she eats well, apparently organs or fetuses. But this could be kind of like you could kind of see this in a house where you see her in her woman like beautiful form and then maybe later you see like the just the bottom half like like her she left the torso when she was hunting so like it looks like in the picture um basically everything from like the rib cage up is what (laughs) is flying so can you imagine somebody flying at you with these massive like bat wings and these claws and like this ugly like ugh with the organs the hanging just out, yeah. Away. yeah, that's what's or, getting me. Or just, yeah. or just coming across like the bottom half, because that's the idea. Is the lower torso is left behind, so right. like just like when you see the lower torso, you're like, oh, you're like, then sh- she's got to be out. She's yeah. she's in here somewhere, and then but that's com- your chance to grab it and, and put salt, ash, or garlic on it. Also true. I mean, you that's that's one way to beat them, and the sunlight too. So maybe at the end of the house, it's like the sun comes up and somebody you know destroyed the lower half and they she can't reattach and then she can't go back to her normal form and is then vulnerable to the sun but i think too i mean even the 
the long tongue it looks like a snake Ugh. like i could really yeah. see them like <laughs> i don't want to say this is probably like not the best way to visualize this you know on new year's eve when you have those horns and you blow into it and it like pops out yes yes like like they could have it rolls a, out a scare yeah a scare like that that looks like a tongue and she's yeah. like close to you and it kind of just like hits you I'm kind of imagining that giant La Llorona that John Murdy put in the house in Hollywood that it's like yeah. coming through the the ceiling to eat the kids. Yes, that's what I'm imagining. Where her, well, that's yeah. what, especially because this is all at night. I mean, they could do this. This is, again, um, from the Philippines, but you could even, you could do this really anywhere. Um, you could do this in a city. You could do this in someone's home. You could do this in a wooded area. You could do this basically any time of the year. It just has to be at night because the sun is what kind of destroys them. So I could see this kind of going as like, even in Spirits of the Coven, when they start out and they're like these, just these beautiful women. And then all of a sudden we start to see their real form later on. And then we kind of catch on and it's like, oh, and I mean, she's coming after uh, men and women um, at one point is, like I said, seducing women with her beauty and or men or women <laughs> and lures them to a private place before eating them so we could see her eating them i mean there, there's a lot that they could do with this in a house and if you ever just look it up take a minute google it look at the pictures and you'll see what i mean yeah she does look creepy and yeah. i can definitely see like the house feeding into that and it's and it's based in the Philippines, so yeah. again, different setting and everything. And it would be cool to get kind of these these different urban legends from di- across the world, like different places that we're not so used to seeing stories originated from have representation at any a lot of the events. Um, like I said, we've seen some urban legends in the past that have come. Um, but I think it'd be cool to to get a couple more of these. I mean, shoot, they could even do an entire house with like urban legends in general and give each of these like their own room or two and i think that would right. be pretty pretty scary it might be confusing um <laughs> kind of like welcome to scary because it's all they're all different but a few of these like they could put the jersey devil and man and angle and even mm-hmm. the um little more creature like wendigo they could put all of them in yeah. a house and do urban legend creatures house yeah. i think that would be really cool I think so. if they follow like the same blueprint as Slaughter Cinema. Yeah. But Slaughter Cinema, Legends. You're right. It'll be cool. I think it would be cool too. But some of the other ones, like the Seven Gates of Hell is like a longer story. Um, right. But, but even we could get pretty much all the other ones. And they really only need a couple rooms to kind of maybe two or three each to kind of give the the story itself kind of. A lot of these are short stories. They're not very long. So no. I, I think two to three rooms really would be enough for most of these. Yeah, I agree. Again, like they have to follow the Slaughter Cinema blueprint because that's, I think, in my opinion, the house has done that collab well situation the best. Yeah, But I also think the reason that worked so well is because they were all like B-rated movies, whereas this, it might be a little bit different because they're, well, I guess they're kind of like stories. Like if if we ever got like a, a like a, crypt tv like creep show kind of house they could kind of go through each of the episodes like the tv show the one that's on shutter they could go right. through um the different episodes and stuff like that as well so i mean they could do it with an urban legend house yeah all of the other thing would make a good addition to a house or the house be a house itself 
But yeah, I mean, in summary, we we have some urban legends rumored this year. Lair of the Banshee and uh, Krampus. We're hoping to see hopefully both of those come as originals. Um, we'll see as we get closer to the event. Um, you know, we might get a new spec map or something else that some clues that lead us to whether those are more likely or not as likely. Um, but other than that, I think that's all we have for this week. Or is it? Yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> uh if i were you i would make sure we are you are following our socials uh instagram again is at honk girls podcast twitter is at honk girls pod because this may or may not be the last time you hear from us this week but you have to be following our socials to know what we're talking about yep so keep an eye on those socials um we will be updating some things on there throughout this week so make sure you have notifications on for those um if you want, we tweet a lot, but add them, add them on. That way you won't miss anything. Yeah. I think I'm funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> and if there's any urban legends you think would make a good house, let us know. Yeah. Shoot us a tweet. Of course. You can, you can DM us. You we can love hearing from you guys. We really do. Yeah. And um, a lot of the reasons that some of these urban legends that we took a deeper dive into, some of these we did hear from you guys. So thank you guys um, for reaching out about those. And then also just being involved but other than that so yeah just stay tuned all right thanks for listening bye